This is the Hypothetically Sound Podcast. Hosted by Alec, Randy, and Xavier. Where we take a hypothetical look at the world around us. Exploring the what-ifs, maybes, and how-comes. Join in on the unfiltered, raw, and real conversation as we explore the world around us. Welcome back to Hypothetically Sound. Hope you guys are having a great day. Uh, we're going to do something a little new on the podcast. Uh, if you listened to last episode, you know that I was a part of a group called the SOS Players. Uh, it was a great moment in time of my life. And I thought it would be fun to talk to some old friends who were also in the group and see how they felt about it looking back all these years. And fortunately for me, I am joined by a great person. I am joined by Shay. Shay, how are you doing? Good. Hi. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you very much for being willing to do this, uh, taking time out of your day, especially this early in the morning. Uh, why don't you tell the people a little about yourself, as much or as little as you want? Um. Okay. My name is Shay, and I... Um joined SOS in probably 2004 or 2005. Um, I was from a town near Hudson, Wisconsin, which is where SOS was uh, headquartered at the time. And um, since then, I've moved to Colorado. Uh, Colorado Springs is where I call home. Although I'm traveling right now and I'm in Tacoma, Washington, uh, in a very beautiful park, not too far from the Puget Sound. Nice. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, I guess if I need to tell you more about myself, I work as an archaeologist um, and I think I've got a very cool job that I, I, I enjoy. Oh, yes. It's super cool. Like little kids grow up wanting to be it. So you get to do you live off the kid dream. Uh, no, it's amazing, though. I, I I've say always been interested in something like that. It's, uh, it's very. I love that. I love the job. I love doing the job. I love the report writing. I love the data gathering. I love being outside. Um, I really like the people that I work with as well. Um, archaeologists are really generally a pretty chill bunch of people. Um, but I will say, if your childhood dream also involves like making lots of money. This isn't the <laughs> career to follow. <laughs> Don't follow this dream. <laughs> it's definitely a dream because of love, which, which is a yeah. great thing. Like, not everything needs to revolve around money. Like, obviously, the world works with money, but, you know, having passion for what you do is also important. Yeah, but it's, uh, I would also say I would be very passionate about having a job that makes <laughs> lots of money and gives me lots of time off to enjoy like the the real things that i like the mm -hmm. jobs at the end of the day a job's always still just a job and i think that's the uh advice i would have given like 18 year old me but sure, sure. overall i i live a pretty happy life with my my work in general that's good that's good uh so you said that you joined sos around two, 2004 2005 do you remember the first time you found out about SOS? I do. Um, so I was a new kid at school in, man, it must have been 2000, it must have been 2004 because I was a new kid in Somerset. I think I was in like the very end of my middle school year or, or like their eighth grade there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this girl who was a year older than me, who I'd kind of become friends with, her name was Amanda. 
she um, told me about it and she was like, yeah, I think I'm going to go do this audition. You want to come with me? And I was like really excited that someone had invited me to go do something um, as like a friend, a new friend, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like outside of school. And so that was kind of like the biggest appeal about it to me. Um, And then kind of when I learned more about what it was, I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to do theater. I would love to do something like that. Uh, so that's kind of what got me in. And then Amanda and I both auditioned for, for SOS and we both got in. Uh, but she was only there for about a year, I, be- I believe. Um, mm-hmm. And she kind of started doing her own thing and I don't think came back the next year after that. Which is understandable. You know, it's not for everybody. Well, it definitely wasn't no. for everybody. God, no. <laughs> it's a special bunch. <laughs> <laughs> we were all weird, weird kids looking back. Uh, so you mentioned auditioning. Do you remember uh, who you auditioned for and what it was like for you? Um, well, I remember Andy Bertram was there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan Gaines and Brandon Roberts, I remember they were, those are like the three people I remember being there. Okay. Um, maybe Hannah? Um, and, and so, um, I don't really remember the audition other than I remember we played a lot of like improv games Mm -hmm. and I thought it was so fun. It was like, um, I remember, I remember being really surprised. I was like trying to be funny and make this joke, but I forgot it was a (laughs) joke. It was a joke about Michael Jackson's monkey, his pet monkey. (laughs) And I don't remember, I couldn't remember his name and uh, someone filled me in on the name and then people still thought the joke was funny. And I was like, oh my gosh, these people are so um, nice that they even laughed at that dumb joke. <laughs> I remember being like really surprised at how like, wow, everyone here is so supportive and everyone's mm-hmm. like humoring me and pretending that I'm funny. <laughs> it, it definitely was a unique experiencing experience auditioning for SOS. I had at that point for me when I joined, like I had just took it was just like two months into my first uh theater class of ever. Uh so like I just started acting. I auditioned because I wanted to spend more time with Hannah. Uh really? she was in my yeah, she was in my theater class and she told me about SOS. And like then I saw them and I saw she was in it. And I was like, I want to spend more time with him because I like her. So I'm trying to be Aww. this like 15 year old kid that's trying to like uh, see if I actually like this girl. So I go audition to be in it. And it's such a unique experience because like it wasn't like you just walked in and you read a sheet of paper and then you left. You came in in the morning. You participated with the group. You did the warm ups. You did the games. You got to watch them rehearse a little bit. And then during lunch, you did your audition. And for me, I auditioned in front of Jenna, Brandon, Andy, and uh, June. This was the last, actually, the last audition June has sat in uh, wow. with SOS was mine. Which is, like, for me, is such a really great moment. Uh, and she loved me, like, instantly. Uh, she talked to me after, and she was like, yeah, it you, like you're not amazing, <laughs> like, I, but <laughs> but you, you, I loved your attitude. I loved like the uh, presence you had in the room, and we just talked for like the rest of lunch, and it was a great memory I have with uh, 
June because she didn't have to talk to me. She didn't have to. Uh, she could have been an audition and let Andy or Brandon or anybody handle it, but she chose to interact with me, which is really cool. Yeah, June was a just a gem. She was a good person. She's June was golden, man. Fantastic, and it's so unfortunate and unfair to her how everything ended with SOS and how she was essentially written out of the history of her own company. Jesus. Yeah, I know. It's just, it was unfortunate, but you know, we weren't, we were kids. We didn't have any say anything as much as we tried. Uh, and that's life. Uh, but away from the negative, let's, let's talk about our time in SOS. Uh, so obviously you joined, you said 2004, 2005. I joined late 2005, uh, fall of 2005. Uh, do you have any memories, favorite memories from your time in SOS shows, uh, rehearsals, after hour stuff? Mm, dodgeball, just all of the dodgeball that we played <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the frisbee tag. That was so that? fun. Yeah, I, I loved like it was just random. Like we wouldn't even eat lunch. We would just uh, instantly go outside. Time to play f- dodgeball. Time to play freeze tag. Time to do whatever. Uh, we came up with a uh, dodge pong. Yeah, uh, with the uh. dodgeball and tables, acting like we're playing uh, ping pong. Just <laughs> so many fun, just random games we would do. And everybody was, was so athletic. For a bunch of like theater nerds and nerdy people that we were, we were strangely athletic. I remember getting hit really hard with the balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and we weren't shy about it. Like we were full on super competitive in everything too for no reason. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that so like the first SOS summer, it felt a lot a lot like summer camp, I imagine mm-hmm. what summer camp would be like, where you're like making all these best friends and and like uh I don't know, it was it was like playing games all day long. But mm-hmm. you were learning. Like there was a ton of I look back now, that was like how we learned to work together and learn to um trust each other and uh kind of build teamwork and things like that. Like it, but at the time, it was like, oh, my God, just get to play a bunch of games all day, every day. <laughs> it is crazy. Look, like, as a teen, looking as an adult now, looking back and the amount of time we put in to learning our craft as teens, yeah. we, we would go and get there at, what, 10 a.m., 9 or 10 a.m., be there until 4, and have an hour break for lunch from 12 to 1, usually. And so we were working from... 10 to 12 and then one to four on our craft every day in yeah. the summer. And that's, that's dedication that you don't see from a lot of teens. And I think that's what made the people in our group us so special is that we were dedicated to doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Like looking back, the amount of hours I put in, to SOS. I my senior year, I I think I only missed a handful of shows. I don't know yeah. how I convinced Andy to let me do as many as I did, but I I did more SOS than I did school. 
my senior wow. year. Wow. Really? Wow. And I I was fortunate. Not anybody I don't think anybody else could got away with it. This is it sounds like I'm bragging. But somehow I had the school like secretary and principal in my back pocket. They loved me <laughs> for some reason. Like I wasn't a good student. There was no reason for them to love me, but they knew what SOS was. And I would just had to come in the day after going on tour or whatever, go, hey, I this is the days I'm going to be gone. And they'll go, okay, you're excused. That's cool. I'm sure. I mean, like, well, I was going to say who could, who could like say no to that, uh, knowing mm-hmm. what SOS is, but I'm sure there's plenty of teachers or principals out there who would be. Oh, I had, my uh, German teacher cool. hated me. Oh, <laughs> he hated me. I made one German teacher quit. This is off topic. What? Uh, she, she was freshly out of college. I think she was only like 22. And uh, the class was just too much for her. People were too wild. And then it was one day, like, our class would break in the middle of it to go to lunch. It was really weird. I hated that system. Uh, so hmm. we would, like, have class for, like, a half an hour and then break for lunch. And she would let us stop working, like, five minutes before lunch. And so I would put on my headphones and listen to music for five minutes before lunch. One day she just wasn't having it. And she like came and like snatched my headphones off my head. And after everybody left, I stayed and me and her got into a like a loud heated argument. And then she ended up breaking down and crying. And I felt super bad. I'm like, you're an adult, but you snatched my property. And like, this is unfair, blah, blah, blah. And then she started crying. She's like, I just, I'm trying to do my best. I, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. And then a week later, mm. she quit. And oh, I'm like, man. I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, you didn't give you a right to snatch my headphones. And sounds like, like she had a lot going on. I wonder if that was like the, the last straw type mm-hmm. of thing. But yeah, it's, man. <laughs> I was just like, looking back, I'm like, I wasn't as nice as I thought I was. Okay, yeah, but did less. you learn? Did you learn any German? Can you speak German? No, I couldn't. I couldn't say a word, and I took three years of it. <laughs> I was in. I was in German four. Damn! I, like I could, I could have maybe at the time. I think I could have went to Germany and like talked, but now I couldn't. I don't know if I could count. Yeah, it's amazing how you, the the saying "use it or lose it." totally i lost it (laughs) i know i know a couple words i went to germany um a few years ago i have a friend who lives there or lived there and now she she lives in russia now um shockingly but um i had a friend at the time who lived in germany and i went and visited her and i learned a couple things while i was there mostly about like can I have a beer, please? <laughs> <laughs> Only thing that matters. <laughs> important things. <laughs> uh, so one of the best parts of SOS, at least for me, was performing and then getting to talk to people after. Yes. Uh, looking, like breakout sessions? Mm-hmm, breakout sessions or people just coming up to you after the show as we're breaking down yeah. uh, the set. Do you have any memories of any of those moments like any ones that have stayed with you all this time um actually yeah it's uh so i was i was at like a 
our school had like a, a ski go skiing day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I was skiing at a ski hill in um, Dresser, Wisconsin. And someone came up to me and they had recognized me from a show we had done in Osceola like a week before. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting recognized outside of that context was extremely strange to me. And <laughs> um, I, I guess probably like flattering, like, oh my gosh, they remembered me, my face specifically, like the show must have been impactful in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that person telling me like how personally they um, felt connected to the drunk driving sketch. Um, mm. Someone in their family uh, had had died from a drunk driving accident, and um, it was it was I was probably like fifteen or sixteen at the time, so I was not like equipped to have some type of heart to heart with a stranger about it. But I remember it feeling really like. Uh, uh, a really personal moment to have with someone who who is a total stranger to me, uh, mm-hmm. and the, uh, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to come talk to me about it. Um, and I'm sure the vast majority of people who saw our shows probably never gave it a second thought. But clearly, it was impactful to some people, and and I remember that really being driven home to me that day when that person came up and talked to me. Mm-hmm. And like looking back on SOS, this may be one thing they could have pushed more for. Like while we did have like moments of teaching about these topics, obviously because we're talking about them, I think they could have done a little more on preparing us to handle people coming up to us after the show to talk about these issues. Obviously, there's some of us who are really good at it and knew how to handle it. But I still think there was a a majority of people who couldn't handle that type of interaction, and yeah, and I I think training probably from a professional would have helped because obviously we we told people we weren't psychologists, we weren't there to tell you what to do. We were just giving you options, and our job was if you came to us was to take you to someone who could help you. Uh, right. But I don't. I I know for a fact there's a few kids who didn't understand that concept, and there was a few kids who just couldn't talk to people. Uh, just in general, they were just really awkward people. Uh, Do you have someone in mind? <laughs> uh, Lucas. I, I don't know if you remember uh, Lucas. Yeah, I do remember Lucas. Uh, and there was a couple other kids. I don't remember their names, unfortunate. But they around. They are around the same time of my senior year into my internship. Uh, and it, so it could have been my fault. I didn't train them rather well, well enough. Uh, but there was a few times where I had to pull people aside and talk to them about uh, why what they just did wasn't appropriate for what we do. Uh, which which it just comes down to, like, you're, you're a 15, 16-year-old, and these kids are coming to you because they think you're uh, a professional. But you're peer, yeah. Uh, which is our goal is we are peer to peer, and we want these teens to come feel like they can come talk to us, uh, right? And we just needed, I think, a little more hands on training on how even role playing like we were actors, we could have role played scenarios so kids know when and how to shift a conversation to let's go get you help without saying, Hey, let's go talk to your principal. Yeah, 
I think that's uh, I think that's a really good point. Because um, I, I remember being told, you know, someone might come up to talk to you, and that is exactly what I remember. You bring them to me. You bring them to Andy. You bring them to uh, the principal, the teacher. Um, but you, it was very much like a. Uh, I I I think maybe, yeah. I mean, it's a lot to ask a child. Yeah. We were ch- we yeah. were children. It yeah. is a lot to ask a child to be like, um, you're about to be the the, you know, the person who listens to this person and maybe gets them help. But I guess that is part of what SOS was that, um, there was t- this type of responsibility. You weren't while we were like peer to peer we did appear to others as having some type of um, knowledge or mm-hmm. authority on the matter type of thing. Yep. So um, yeah, that, that is a good idea. I think, I think that would have been really helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's no, no fault. Like they did is I, I think Andy and the interns did as best as they could. Uh, it was an ever evolving uh, world with SOS. Nothing stayed the same for any amount of time. Hence why we right. were constantly writing new skits on new issues that we hadn't had to deal with. And so we're learning new things and dealing with new things. Like we had to write a grief skit for a school that uh, had just lost a group of students. I and they wanted that. a very specific, yeah, and they wanted a very specific skit for them. And we wrote it and learned it and performed it all in a month. And then we had kids come up to us to talk about grief. And, like, we weren't prepared for that. <laughs> None, yeah, like, I remember, I remember trying I to get prepared for that. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember there was an effort that, like, this is heavy stuff and people are more than likely going to have strong emotions after this. I remember mm-hmm. that conversation. From what my and I could be wrong. From my memory, and like I, I, Andy and Jenna tried their best to get us to understand that, but I kept taking. Sue would come in, and and like because at that point I was already like me and Hannah were already like we knew we were going to be the intern, so we, they were letting us do more, uh, with Jenna and them, uh, and John, because John was by himself, so he let. Uh, Hannah and us help a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just remember every time Sue would talk about it, she would take it as like a prime business opportunity. Like, uh. hey, look at us. We can cater to your specific needs. We're going to use this, this, uh, uh, our grief skit to, uh, branch out and do specific things for specific schools and I always felt icky about them like yes it yes in a business side this is a great opportunity if we kill it it is a great opportunity they'll have us back they'll tell other schools other people about what we did but you don't have to like hit on it so often right you should just do it because they are asking for it and that is I mean if that's what they need then and that's something we're able to provide that's that's the reason you should be doing it not Mm -hmm. Not for the uh, look what this does for our business side of yeah. things. And um, that, that that was the first time that I got with Sue that I just had this like it would it started no longer being a group 
that was about helping teens. It became a business that just happened to help teens. Yeah. Yeah. I feel sad that, well, I feel lucky that I got to experience SOS before Sue. I got to mm-hmm. experience June. Um, I got yep. to experience SOS as it was um, in a way that I think June was very happy with. Um, I mm-hmm. think she was extremely proud of what SOS was and, and what a beautiful legacy it was for her. Um, so I feel really lucky that I got to have that, but also very, very sad that I saw it end and I saw it declining and I saw the pain that was that was happening with um I know it was affecting other people a lot more than it was me. I I mm-hmm. started pulling away kind of at that same time. Um, some of it for kind of selfish me, teenager, boys, relationships, yeah. uh, re- reasons. And I also started working two jobs because um, I was saving up to leave. Uh, I really wanted to leave Wisconsin. Uh, so I was saving up money when I was 16 uh, to go to college. But I I also remember um, it just there was like a tension when Sue was there that I mean you know what all the things that happened with like Megan and things like that and it just started showing on people's faces it wasn't mm-hmm. like the fun carefree thing that it was that I first experienced and I remember being warned by Andy from I remember him saying like your first summer is gonna be the best summer ever going to be the best summer of SOS and all of them after that you're going to be a little less excited about it's going to be a little more disappointing Um, and so I always remembered thinking like is that what he's talking about or is this actually getting really um, Mm -hmm. uncomfortable Uh, but yeah it's it's unfortunate Uh, like I said after Sue after June passed uh, the fact that her name wasn't listed on the masthead, the fact that when in the description about how the group started, her name wasn't mentioned. What was, was no, the was there a reason for that? That was so fucked up. It was incredibly uh, fucked up. Even for like a fucked up person, mm-hmm. really fucked up. <laughs> you know, like I, I, how I, yeah. you justify that? He never did. We never, at least maybe I never heard it. Jenna might know. And I guess I'll find out when I talk to her. Uh, But yeah, it never, I never found out. And from what I can remember, and I could be wrong because it's been so long, it's just her and June didn't get along at all in Mm. like before her passing. And Mm. I, I think all of us liking June more than Sue might have fed into it as well. And it might have been out of spite. Uh, or maybe she thought June Erdman's name wasn't, uh, outside of Hudson and the Hudson area wasn't working. Maybe right. she tried expanding things cause you know, she moved, she tried, she expanded to St. Paul and maybe mm-hmm. she tried before with June's name on there and people didn't like June for whatever reason. Uh, that, that, yeah. I'm I trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. So hard I, to I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish um I wish I wasn't the guinea pig. Now I'm like, oh, I, I could have I wish I could hear all the conversations you're about to have with people so I could have some intel. <laughs> right. 
I, I'm definitely past you, Intel. I'll, I'll message you if any juicy uh, details come out during my exploration into SOS. <laughs> did, did you ever, did you and Luke's we ever overlap? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke and I were, uh, during that year uh, that I was homeless, he actually offered for me to go live with his mom. Wow. Uh, I, I didn't take it because I was at that point in my life, I was very hard headed and I didn't want to take anything from anybody. Sure. Uh, I can understand like that. Andy, Andy offered for me to live with him. And like, I would spend a night every once in a while so I could shower before tours. But outside of that, I like didn't want help from anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just hard headed and stubborn and thought that this was my bear, like burden to bear. Mm-hmm. Which looking yeah. back, I probably should just took the help from people. <laughs> probably would have ended better off, but choices are your choices and no reason to yeah. live in regret or anything like that. Uh, but I was just going to say with Luke, um, he was, you know, like to me, he was like one of the original SOS players. Um, and he might have mm-hmm. some good background information. On the group, pre-Sue, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. The most wild thing I thought during my time in SOS was staying in people's houses. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I think about that now, and I'm like, I would fucking never do that. (laughs) Seems so awkward. It was so awkward. But at the time, we were like, this is great. Yeah, get to meet new people. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the experiences were fantastic. I don't think I had any bad experiences with any host families. Uh, but it's still, like, looking back, like, that's weird. Like, didn't my, my parents didn't know I was staying in some random person's house. Uh, I'm pretty sure mine didn't either. <laughs> uh, and, like, we didn't get to, we didn't know them before, but... It was always it was always a, a like a soccer mom with her like uh, student council kid. Oh, totally! It's the reason we're there, and like we'd go in and like, okay, we have food for you, and then you wake up in the morning and there's like donuts and like, it's like a mini yeah. hotel. <laughs> yeah. Was... I was just wondering, do you have any any moments or like? I don't want to say awkward stories because that comes across weird. Uh, Any memories from any foster or host families? Um, yes. Okay, so, oh gosh. Uh, So this was a long time ago, so let me, I might be fuzzy on the details, but I'm going to give you what I remember. Um, It was Mm -hmm. Megan and I and Stephanie well, I believe, and maybe Tess. Those, I think, are the people in this play. And uh, we had, our host family actually just gave us, like, the spare apartment or spare room. It was, like, a little, like, living area with a pull-out couch and then, like, maybe a bedroom off to the side. But it was attached to a hair salon. And they were like, don't go through that door. The hair salon is over there. Um, We'll come get you in the morning. And then they left. So... It was like four teenage girls in a hair salon. You feel like um, that was in Iowa. Yeah, middle of nowhere, like somewhere I, really I, far outside of anything we knew. I, and I um, think 
that was the show where we we got there and we thought we were performing for a school and we pull up and we were the performing act for the graduating class of homeschoolers and there was 12 yeah yeah that sounds right it was like in a community center or something yeah and it, like we rode in and there was a li- literal tumbleweed that went through the <laughs> town yeah oh <laughs> i i remember and it was such weird vibes we kept making like <laughs> Jokes. It was like uh, being in like that. Oh, I don't know, House of Wax or something strange. Like, and the best part was I they never that. paid us. They no way. They never paid us. Yeah, we we got back and they were like, "Yeah, we'll send you the check" because they usually give it to us when we get there. And they're like, "We'll send you the check," and we never got paid from them. That's fucked up. <laughs> I was far away. <laughs> oh wow. I forgot about that show until now. Yeah. The weirdest show ever. Yeah. A weird town. Like, really weird, like, deserted, empty streets. We definitely left the hair salon uh, to, like, walk around the block. And it was, it was like, <laughs> silent. Like, no one lived in this town. Um, we definitely, like, played with hair products and curling irons and in the, <laughs> in the hair salon when we weren't supposed to. <laughs> we did, like, I know on the boys' side, when we had the opportunity, especially like hotels or stuff, we did some bad stuff. We like were what? teens. What I was just do? like sneaking out, like... And... That's not bad. Tell me the bad stuff. And it was mostly that. Like, uh, there was a couple times where uh, we would all gather in and we'd like, play Truth or Dare. Uh, oh, yeah. teen stuff in hotel rooms when we were supposed to be separate. The girls would come over or whatever. Uh, nothing, nothing scandalous or anything like that. But just you know, truth or dare, doing dumb dares, kiss in this the person bottle. type stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which was fun. Like your your kids doing fun stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I my my favorite memory from host family it was me and Mario. Me and Mario became friends super quickly. Like, it was absurd how fast we became really good friends. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember Mario. And we decided, we got into, this family had bunk beds. <laughs> and so Mario, we were both big kids. <laughs> like, but Mario took the top, because I was like, I'm not getting up on top. Like, it's not happening. <laughs> and uh, I had bottom. And we spent the whole night writing raps. Really? <laughs> yeah, so we wrote a song together, and then performed it on the bus on the way home the next day. I love this. Did anyone record it? Uh, no, I don't think anybody recorded it, but they. I, I remember we had to do it a couple times because people like would ask for it. Aww. But I, I, I don't remember it. Uh, I don't have any proof of it anymore. So it could be all figment in my imagination, but uh, pretty positive it happened. <laughs> Aww. That's awesome. I wish uh, I wish it like existed in some physical form. Oh yeah, it'd have been amazing. Uh, speaking of existing in physical form, I'm gonna ask this mm-hmm. to everybody because see if anybody has it. Do you own or know anyone who owns the, the SOS CD? CD we made? I own it. I Do have you? it. Well, that is amazing. Okay, caveat: I had it. And I bet it's still somewhere at my mom's house because she's a little bit of a hoarder. I bet it's still there somewhere. Yeah. Because I was thinking about it and I was like, I know I had a copy at some point. And so I searched my house 
and I found the case. No! <laughs> but not the CD. So we made that for the gala, right? We recorded it for the gala or at the gala? For the gala. Uh, we sold for it the, the gala, gala to sell, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And I was on it, and I felt mm -hmm. like... I felt like such a badass. I think I was only one sketch, probably. I was never like, <laughs> I was never very good. <laughs> you were fantastic. That's a lot. I, I enjoyed our scenes together. I really did. Like, there was few actresses who I really enjoyed performing with. Uh, and I thought whenever you would be my Michelle, I thought you gave uh. a very unique and honest uh job to michelle that was different than anybody else's and so it would change how my jd was and i really enjoyed acting with you in that uh just because it was that. so different like you were yeah. like megan was strong like just megan being megan uh badass yeah and then like <laughs> you were like trying to see how to phrase this properly you were more of a like down to earth like this is something that would never happen to you type <laughs> girl how you portrayed it and so like you were so loving and sweet and like it made me look like a bigger dick <laughs> which, which which was great because all of a sudden I yell at you and you're just this sweet girl who's now like quivering from this giant man yelling at you because like you're pregnant and like I it, it always always got more hate uh like after the show which I loved like love me all you want in other parts but when I'm playing JD my job is to make you like me in the beginning and then make you hate me by the end of it that was such a good character i think I think it really shows an actor's ability to act um, if mm -hmm. you can really like how much you hate that person. Mm -hmm. Or that character, I should say. Well, thank you. That's, um, that's a really nice compliment. I appreciate that. And, yeah, um, it's honest truth. It reminds me, reminds me of something I wanted to say about SOS um, mm -hmm. and thinking about how we, how we performed. Like, because a lot of those plays were written by people who were in SOS and and we all brought our own like experiences and and our own touches to these plays um and because we were performing on stage in front of a bunch of teenagers in mm -hmm. like kind of a dare type setting like people are always like was it like dare um we SOS was very much a theater company that was not theatrical like I think the type of acting we did was way more well suited to like TV or movies because mm -hmm. I've been in plays after this or I've I've you know tried out for theater productions and I am not theatrical like there is an expected um like kind of like you're supposed to have a big flair if you're on stage and you're on the th in the theater like you should be very over the top and like over the top in SOS was not going to fly. Like you can't be mm -hmm. over the top. You had to be really uh, sincere and down to earth. And I think a lot of us took that really seriously. Like we need to put ourselves in this, in this character's shoes and how would we re react in this situation and react in this situation. I think that's what made it, it had to be believable. Otherwise it was going to be fucking cheesy. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
that is the perfect summary of what I've learned looking back at SOS in a theater capacity. I thought I like, and this is, I worked a lot with Andy to become a good actor for SOS. I worked my ass off to get rid of my bonics to become articulate and uh, just worked very hard to be able to do these roles as an overweight kid, black kid, uh, in a in roles in schools that weren't exactly meant for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And the people who struggled with SOS acting were genuine, generally, generally theater kids. Like they did theater outside of SOS. And it's mm-hmm. like you said, the theater is completely different. I go to college and I start trying to act there and I just can't break through. And I think what they're doing is so weird and it doesn't look good to me. And it, and it took me a while to understand it's because I'm not acting for theater. I am acting for camera. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's like you said, and I, think, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's what, and we try to explain that to June. I mean, not June, but Sue, when she did the CD, uh, that, we need to hop on the medium of YouTube because YouTube was still fresh at that point. Oh, uh, yeah. We tried to convince her to put these into video formats and start selling those. We still do live shows to people, but if we could get on YouTube, get more publicity and then sell actual video shows and actually like come up with some script, not scripting, but uh, like sets and stuff that mm-hmm. SOS could expand for years. And she just did. That would have been a she really good up, idea. Yeah, and she just didn't do it and then went with the CD and uh, we made a really bad video that she sent to schools to like show who we were instead of, you know, showing actual us performing a full skit that we could have recorded and put on YouTube. Mm. Uh and that's why that's why it died. Like honestly, that's why SOS died. It didn't. It couldn't see future trends, mm-hmm. and we didn't cop on a trend that uh, could have worked. Like, don't get me wrong, viral wasn't really a thing in two thousand seven. Like, there were viral videos, obviously. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't like the every day there's a new viral video like there is now with TikTok and Shorts and uh, Instagram Reels say. and stuff. Uh, the it could be like SOS went... TikTok now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is, if I'm going to start a group, which is is more what it's going to be geared towards is uh, video formats with the ability to perform live. Because uh, I think that's, that's just how the age we're in is video format uh, is much more powerful and accessible. Definitely. Uh, but yes, <laughs> went on a random rant there. But yeah, just the acting that we did in SOS is unlike anything that I've ever done again in my life. And I miss it so much because, like you said, it was so honest and real and in terms of theater muted. Uh, we weren't over the top and the kids who were over the top struggled so hard and couldn't understand why it didn't work for them and why they got so many notes uh, Mm -hmm. after everything. And even Jenna to a point after, I don't think 
like after going to college and doing all of that and coming back and giving notes, she tried making the SOS acting more theater acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that worked a little bit because now the ki- mostly because the kids who were coming in were theater kids. And so it worked for them. But yeah, like now that you talk about that, it explains my difficulty transitioning to theater. Uh, and the difficulty of kids, some of the kids who were theater kids in SOS. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a very, it was a strange, uh, it had the potential to be extremely cheesy and like the Mm -hmm. principle or the concept of it. Like when I try to explain it to other people, uh, nowadays I'm like, it was like dare, but theater, they're like, okay, fucking weirdo. Um, it sounds so super cringy. It sounds so cringy. Um, but I obviously am biased, but I think it was delivered in a way that was not. And I think mm-hmm. that was the goal from the start was to be like sincere. So people felt like they could connect to the the subject matter and and uh, I guess just think about it, think critically about it, think there are options if X, Y, Z happens. I don't have to think this or say this or do this in this situation um mm-hmm. yeah guess you got to get in front of a camera time to <laughs> exactly. leave the theater behind <laughs> <laughs> we'll see who knows what the world has in store for old randy uh good things i hope only good <laughs> hopefully. things uh i'll work for it that's all that I, that's all i know something good eventually nope. happening meant for more yeah. that's how i look at life Always. As long as I keep working, you know, eventually you'll get something. Uh, so we're down to our last question. It's a, like a two-part question. Uh, okay. Has or did SOS impact how you grew as an adult? Yes. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as an adult... SOS has definitely affected me. It affected me. It affected the entire trajectory of my life. Even though I did not pursue theater, um, I am a completely, if I hadn't done SOS, I would be a completely different person. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure that's true for a lot of people. And it's so, that's so easy to say about anything. But um, SOS taught me so much about how to interact with people mm-hmm. um public speaking like what a good skill that is <laughs> um, how to not be nervous and i think a lot of um oh man this is a hard question <laughs> i was a really awkward kid and i know all of us were in high school but i felt extremely awkward um especially in my sos days um, and I felt very much like an outsider looking in on just about everything. Um, and even SOS to a big extent. But um, I think there were some times when I felt like it was okay to be a little bit vulnerable with people. Mm-hmm. And that's a skill that it's a skill. It's a skill that I recognize is a skill to be able mm-hmm. to be vulnerable with people appropriately um and and like in a in a way with people that you can trust but that's how you build relationships is to give a little bit of yourself 
and also be there ready to receive what other people are giving you when they're returning that favor mm-hmm. um, of vulnerability. And it's something that I didn't obviously didn't think of it in those terms back then um, and have only maybe thought about it in those terms um, recently. I've, I've done some therapy recently over the last couple of years. And I think about the friends that I do have now are the people I was able to be vulnerable with. And, and um, I think SOS taught me a lot about that. Uh, which is strange. I mean, there are a lot of people I didn't keep in contact with. We were, we were kind of talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else. Um, being brave too. being yeah. willing to throw any joke at the wall and hope something sticks. <laughs> uh, being silly and, and, talking to new people and introducing yourself to new people like all these people skills uh i think i i learned or were strengthened by being in sos mm-hmm. um and now i sometimes seek out since i've been traveling a lot i seek out um improv groups because i find that they're a very similar group of people they're very supportive and willing to laugh at your dumb jokes and like uh supportive in like a will laugh at your bad jokes kind of way and yeah. and we will support you being on stage and and doing something silly and not make you feel dumb because there's so many people in this world who would love to make you feel stupid for for saying and doing silly things um yeah but uh being able to find people like those people in SOS who are not like that is is really good for your mental health i think and so i seek that out still in the friends that i have now and uh so a lot of those friends actually have come from theater or for from uh improv groups (laughs) Um, that that makes me happy that's silly i recently watched the office and like (laughs) the fact that um i had never watched it before the fact that uh steve carell's character is like in a cringy improv group. I'm like, oh, I should stop telling people I go to improv. <laughs> no, never stop telling people go to improv. <laughs> Just should not tell my boss I do that on the weekends. Improv <laughs> is amazing, and everybody should do it. It makes for such better people in the world if everybody just did improv. Open your mind. Seriously, it's good for you. Like, get up there and and just yeah, try try something. Exactly. <laughs> It's a safe like, environment. Super easy. Just don't say no. Yeah. It's the, really the only <laughs> the only <laughs> rule. <laughs> Just say yes. Yes and. What do you mean yes and? Well, you say yes, and then you come up with whatever your mind wants to say. And then the uh, other person did... amazingly will go, yes, and. <laughs> and? That's a good life, uh, life philosophy. Like, have you seen that movie Yes Man with Jim yep. Carrey in it? It's like that. Turned out great for him. You got Zoe Deschanel in the end. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> Who would complain? I mean, I obviously it's time to say no, but <laughs> like, hey, send send me all your money. It's a perfectly okay opportunity to say no. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I I wanted to ask you a question. Um, yeah. I have an answer, but I was going to ask you: Do you wish 
Or do you have you ever thought of plays or sketches you wish we would have written or topics we would have done? But then Yeah. Um looking back, I wish we would have done oh, one on interracial dating. Yeah. I, I know in the past they had something close to it and it just went away. Uh but I wish we would have updated the interracial dating one. Uh I'm glad I can was able to write cyberbullying. Uh, I thought that was necessary, especially in a time where cyberbullying was on an uptick. Um, mm-hmm. I, as much as I love racism, like I love it so much, I even did it in my senior capstone for uh, <laughs> my degree. Uh, I wish we would have updated that and made it more powerful and and actually like just bigger. I wish it was longer and bigger. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, we took more the <laughs> Yeah. But it was hard uh, with the lack of diversity in the group. Like, my ultimate dream with, like, racism is that we start, like we did, we're talking, and then we when we start talking about the group, a group of white kids come out, a group of black kids come out, and then it just grows and grows, and, like, up to the point eventually where we're just stuck in the middle of this hate and then we had to break out and ex- like just something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think one other skit that I think would have been uh, beneficial would have been just a skit of friendship, like yeah. a lighthearted, just skit about like what friendship is to us. Like it literally could have just been us sitting down and just talking about what we thought friendship was, what a friend is. Because, like, at that young idea. age, uh, you you think someone's your friend because they, like, shower you with attention. And not not understanding that uh, not all attention is good attention. So maybe even a grooming skit. Would, like, as I'm talking, I'm like, that kind of sounds like I'm talking about someone grooming you. But even, even that, I think looking back in, like, a trans on TikTok where... Uh, so Demi Lovato put out a song recently called 1731 or 3117, where she talks about how Wilder Von Rama started, they first met when she was 17 and he was 31. And then people like use that sound to share their stories of being groomed as like, I saw one that was like a 13 year old and a 19 year old, a 15 year old and a 22 year old. And I didn't real and so and they're like twenty, so they were our age around the time, uh, or they would have been young enough to see our show, mm-hmm. and it's something that we didn't think about, and I think it would have been very beneficial now looking back to yeah. have to help people understand that these twenty year olds should not be doing should not be in your life. I, like, yeah. there's zero reason for a twenty two year old to be talking to a fifteen year old. Zero reason. Unless you're Andy Bernstrom. <laughs> yeah, unless, unless it's part of a like an organization where it's not <laughs> one-on-one. Yeah. Sorry, that was a bad joke. No, no, it's a great joke. Andy would never have called you on your home and chatted no. with you for hours on end. No, God, no. But yeah, um, those, are, was, those are off the top of my head I can think of. I think those are really good and um, fucking really good ideas. And I think the the one you were just talking about with grooming uh 
kind of plays into what I think. If I could have written a sketch, I or if I I think a sketch that should have been written maybe for me <laughs> personally, mm-hmm. um, I, I think like a, a relationships one about relationships and having a healthy relationship, healthy mm-hmm. boundaries. Like you said, not all attention is good attention. Healthy attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that could play into either friendships or relationships. How to identify, uh, you know, toxic behaviors in people yeah. when it's okay to say, "I don't want this person in my life anymore," and and be able to say no uh, to certain requests or to just people in general um and feel okay about it don't feel obligated um i don't know one one very hard lesson i've learned in life is that even though someone even though someone's your family Mm -hmm. if they don't treat you like you know a person uh, like an adult with someone as someone they respect they don't automatically reserve deserve your respect you know you don't have to keep them in your life just because they're family and it's okay. And you don't have to feel guilty about that either. And I think that would be something, I think relationships and, and, and boundaries would be really healthy things to talk about as uh, teenagers. And I don't think that's something that I ever learned. I mean, where do you learn something like that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) If not a place like SOS. Yeah. Especially, especially back then. Yeah. Like now, obviously, like I said, trends on tiktok can maybe help people if that's mm-hmm. which if you go looking for it or if you see it by accident and then you keep looking it can help but yeah back when we were doing it it no one talked about these things uh it wasn't readily available like facebook twitter myspace and all of that still Podcasts, wasn't, yeah <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> like myspace was a tool for like oh look at the my top 10 uh <laughs> friends <laughs> Oh like, yeah, that was the thing. About that, popularity was a thing with social media. It wasn't about the ease of access of information that it is today. Uh, yeah, there's so many tools out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that which oh, another good another good uh, sketch idea would be like responsible consumption of information and thinking critically about your sources and not just reading something mm-hmm. and automatically believing it. <clears throat> mom's on facebook <laughs> and yeah then just regurgitating that information as fact mm-hmm. but maybe that would be a sketch for old, older people too and, and <laughs> why i know sos in on facebook or in just media in general youtube facebook would be so successful is uh i know you say you're not on facebook very often but i watch videos on facebook at night before i go to bed and there is a guy named dar mall uh, and he makes really cheesy videos on social issues. Uh, so like, for example, one was about, it was like this owner degraded his employee, but then the employee grew up to do this. And so it was this employee who was like, uh, trying to help customers and the employer was like, don't do this. We're very strict. Uh, it's not about the customers. It's about my business. I want to make money. And then he did it again and the owner fired him. And then this employee went and made his own business doing his model of helping the customers. And then the customers uh, went to this new employee's shop and the owner had to close his store because he ran out of business. Uh, 
Wow. Uh, and so that's the type of like content he makes and it gets millions and millions of views and thousands of comments of people like yeah see blah 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 and that's how i know sos would be successful if we would have done stuff like that or even if i started a group how i know it can be successful if i get into that niche of that but do it well is people watch that like legitly. My mom brought it up one day and it wasn't satire. Like she brought it up as like, have you seen this? And I'm like, dude, super cheesy. Like (laughs) it it is, it is the remedial of remedial do the right thing type videos. Right. Uh, Like the acting's cheesy. The story's cheesy. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Sure. But but like, if the the message is there, then yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. I I think SOS for a new age could have been, could have been really good. Mm Could have been great. (laughs) With all that, I want to thank you very, very, very much uh, for taking the time to do this. Uh, it has been amazing reminiscing with you about SOS, hearing your thoughts on SOS, hearing just your thoughts on life in general, uh, especially after so long, uh, like we said before the podcast, we were talking and last time we saw each other, even really talked to each other was like 2006, 2007. Uh, I think I looked at a message and I think we met, uh, a few years back for like a day, (laughs) uh, (laughs) But yeah, so it's been fantastic. Uh, now is the time of the podcast where I let people do anything they want. So if there's anything you want to shout out, uh, anything you want people to do, feel free to say anything. And if not, just uh, say goodbye to the people and then I'll do an outro. Oh, man. Um, I guess I would just say be good to your friends and be good to your family and be good to the people uh, in your life. But also make sure they're good to you. Um, yeah, reach out more. Reach out to a friend today. And sometimes uh, it's okay to be awkward or nervous or scared uh, to reach out to somebody. And it's okay to do it anyways. One hundred percent. I wish I had. I wish I had something more concrete. <laughs> no, that, 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 <laughs> like, that was perfect. I'm on the spot. Uh, it is very on tone for everything that we did today and everything we talked about today. Was, yeah, if you're listening to this and you have a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, uh, I guarantee, like, friendship isn't about the amount of time you talk. Uh, I saw this the other day. People were talking about their friendships, how they, they'll talk for a certain amount of time and then literally not talk for, like, a year. And then out of the blue message each other and it's like no time uh has passed because people if you're actually friends with someone you understand that people have lives and not everything needs to be communicated all the time uh yeah it's just about mutual respect and i think that's what comes down if we had an actual friendship and we were cool with each other knowing that you you've went and had such an amazing life uh, i'm out here doing my life people are out doing their lives Things get lost in translation, but as long as you're willing to, at some point, try to reach out again and talk, like, it's perfectly fine. No hard feelings from anybody. And I, I think that's what people need to understand. You don't need, with phones and everything, people think you need to answer that. T- Why did you look at my text and not respond? Like, it, it's a bad mental state to be in. 
just enjoy your life point. and when people communicate just communicate back uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no choked on my spit uh but thank you again for being a part of this podcast thank you everybody at home for listening uh, there will be more parts of this looking in at SOS and how people feel and things like that. And if this isn't something you guys enjoy at home, leave comments, let us know, and be more things like this where uh, we talk about random things that are personal. Uh, so for now, thank you guys again. Make sure to go find us on hypotheticallysound.podbean.com. Uh, if you're into nerd stuff, we have a nerd podcast called Hypothetically Sound Presents Nerd Shit. Uh, so you can find that on Podbean as well uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, on everything Hypothetically Sound. So again, thank you, Shay, for being a part of this. Uh, thank you guys at home for listening. And until next time, deuces. Thank you guys again for listening. Uh, one last thing before the episode ends. Uh, Shay is very passionate about a nonprofit, and I want to make sure I give it this time. Uh, it is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA. It is an organization dedicated to making sure the stories of missing indigenous people are heard, to making sure their disappearances are taken seriously and investigated fully, and also to helping combat the risk factors that contribute to murder rate of indigenous women that are six times higher than those of non-indigenous people. Uh, you can find a link to support the cause in our description or on our Facebook or Twitter page. Uh, again, it is a very important mission. Uh, it is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA Project. Uh, so go, if you have any extra money, or even to just spread the awareness, go give it a share, give it a like. Uh, it is obviously a very important topic. Um, but thank you guys again for listening. Again, it is the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women USA Project. Uh, go as much as you can. Thank you for listening to Hypothetically Sound. We hope you enjoyed the episode. All episodes can be found at hypotheticallysound.podbean.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and Pandora. For full unedited video versions of the podcast, please visit us at youtube.com slash hypotheticallysound.